0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American Patriots and Minutemen, standing at the ready to finally learn the lessons of tyranny and fight for the fruits of freedom here at CR Podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today in the saddle for Thursday. It is February 2nd. It is Groundhog Day. And the question for us is if we will be like Groundhog Phil, Patuxent Phil, coming out, evidently it saw its shadow, and going back into hibernate and doing the same things. Doing the same things over and over again. Oh, vote in another election? Go to sleep for another two years and focus on the next election. As if nothing cathartic has happened to us the last few years. Oh, we don't need to ban masks and vaccine mandates. And oh, we're, we're learning nothing about killing millions, poisoning millions. Today we're going to have on Dr. Peter McCullough. It's been a very long time since uh, we've had him. He's a machine of information, a weapon of mass instruction. Um, just to go through the fact that what we estimate, the 7.5 million deaths and 30 million serious injuries, that's the tip of the iceberg. What about the long term? We're going to d- discuss that coming up. But just to frame it, how this is not over with, how we have to change our tactics, change our focus, get more aggressive, get more engaged. I uh, I was speaking to a friend of mine last night who has a son who is just 21 years old and suddenly has trouble walking, just throbbing pain, shooting pain in a toe, and and really has trouble walking out of nowhere. And there's no diagnosis. The doctors have no answers. No answers. Can't figure it out, can't detect it. And literally, sometimes he walks with crutches. It's the most random thing. Now, random, unknown, undiagnosed things can do happen And always did happen. But what is known is that the shots are absolutely causing neuropathies. Neurological damage where there's pain in in fingers and toes. There's also a lot of cancers showing up in toes because the LNPs go there and create inflammation. But yet, it's not even on the radar. This is what I mean. I'm talking about things that there's a whole cohort of a much larger... Number of tens of millions of people, hundreds of millions in the world that have these ailments that are unexplained that might not even be like that serious on the surface, but they are pretty debilitating. And there's no desire to even get ahead of this, to diagnose it, to then try to treat it. It is shocking how as a civilization we could walk away from this while they have 15 more of these lined up. And what's interesting is, so last night, uh, the the GOP House voted on all those four bills, you know, to repeal the emergency uh, declarations, to uh, stop the CMS mandate, the vaccine mandate on hospitals, and to stop the federal workers from, you know, working at home forever. And the one on the CMS mandate, every Republican voted for it for, for once, it actually somewhat very small, very minutely. Split the Democrats, seven Democrats voted to end the CMS mandate. And I was thinking, so seven Democrats were willing to end the CMS mandate, yet we can't get a 57 to 5 majority in the Wyoming House to end masking and vaccine mandates in the hospitals. Think about that. And this is true of most states. You know, there's only eleven red states. Only less than half of them have even attempted to get rid of the to permanently ban masking in schools, and most of them, if not all of them, didn't do it in hospitals and really any private sector. Florida is the only one doing that. How how is that masking? I mean, that's really repudiated beyond belief. How is it that we don't seek? To plow over with salt and to combat this tyranny with the same gusto, the same energy, the same purity of heart for the sake of freedom that they induced it and, and, and uh, introduced it into this society for tyranny. How is it that we just walk away? Typically throughout history of a rubber band effect, if anything, you'll, you'll overcorrect after you go through something like this. I just don't understand it. So, by the way, just a couple of loose facts I want to throw out to you. Um, HB 1111 in North Dakota, um, Representative Hoversum, Senator uh, Magrum, they ban all pandemic treaties and international public health regulations. I think that's a good bill to push in your state. So that's another good action item. And again, we do have a lot of teams in place. I'm going to hopefully have a conference call with all our team leaders. So you could sign up at connection.network. If you want to help join, uh, they're really making a difference. They're working the legislatures, you know, at least they're getting on the playing field. That's the best we can do. So again, we have in Georgia, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina. Uh, we now have Tennessee, um, hopefully Missouri, but we have South Dakota, uh, North Dakota. I need South Dakota, Iowa, Alaska, and uh, as always, I probably missed one there. We have West Virginia, but let's get this going. I, right now, we have someone who offered to lead in Indiana. We, we, we badly, badly need to focus on things there. Um, the point is, let, let, let me give you a sense of how and why we can't walk away from this. There's a Republican-sponsored bill. I believe it's Senate Bill 41 in Missouri. So again, not only are they not doing good things, but they're still actually making it worse. So there's this bill to allow pharmacy techs and dentists and pharmacists, like extenders, healthcare extenders, to administer vaccines. And I'm thinking, why? Why would you introduce that? Who's pushing this? It's a female legislator. I forgot her name. Who's pushing her to do this? And you think about it. Just yesterday, the FDA came out with new guidance that allows Paxlovid to be prescribed without a test. So now a pharmacist could prescribe it without a doctor, has 30 contraindications. It has more rebounds than Dennis Rodman. It creates a metallic taste in your mouth, and that's just the beginning. We don't know. We don't know what, what this is going to bring in the future. So something that experimental and that prima facie problematic, it's all good. You could break all norms, and now you have a, this legislation, have a pharmacist tech give you jabs. Like, whoa. And then at the same time... A Nobel Prize winning drug with no safety problems and so much, you know, efficacy as a broad spectrum anti inflammatory, anticoagulant, antiviral, even a doctor can't prescribe it. Think about that. Think about where this is coming from and where it's headed. Just like we have spirit of the age with, you know, there's like the Confederate flag versus the rainbow flag. Anything that's a left-wing thing is is indulged by coach culture, promoted, mandated. Anything that's viewed as a problem is stamped out. And that's bad enough when it's in culture. But what if this is going to pertain in the long term to our medicine? Meaning that anything that is poison is going to be readily available, promoted, mandated, given out like candy. every Every, you know freaking healthcare janitor could give it out. But then something that truly is vital and necessary is blocked. See, I have no problem if you want to have a framework of libertarian decentralization where basically many things are made over the counter, where, hey, you know, any any Tom, Dick, and Harry wants to give out this or that or a, a shot. But it's within the framework of a equal opportunity decentralization that our stuff is like that too, then then fine. But it's not. It's in the framework of banning our stuff. So you better believe I'm not going to support, you know, making their stuff more available. I mean, that's, that's the tactic. You need to fight fire with fire. And by the way, a great example of this is yesterday, Governor DeSantis announced um, that he's putting a moratorium on sales taxes for gas stoves. And yes, it's a trolling uh, tactic, but also strategically, you need to skate to where the puck is headed. And we can't always play catch-up and even after they harm us on a policy, haphazardly do something. No, you have to overcompensate. I am all for, normally we're not for like, you know, Picking winners and losers in the market. But if they are making our products losers, I think we need to overcompensate. I mean, I've said this all along. I think small businesses that were shut down by the pandemic should not have to pay taxes for 10 years. But only them, not, not the big ones, because, you know, that is free market. That is evening up the score. It's the same thing. You can't have the government inducing so-called private sector discrimination based on senseless negative efficacy, senseless, flat-earth craziness. Well, the truth is, probably less craziness behind flat-earth than than uh, uh, what these guys are pushing. And then somehow, you know, we don't say, no, we're going to ban it. We're going to ban anyone from doing masking vaccines because the government induced it to begin with. Garbage in, garbage out. So that's the story with that. Um, there's a lot more today, but I want to leave enough time for, for Dr. McCullough. Our show today is sponsored by Birch Gold. Look, with Kevin McCarthy meeting with Joe Biden, we're going to fight for something good, but you know you can't really count on it. Th- $31.4 trillion in debt. Uh, this is going to continue. All the inflationary uh, causes are going to continue. We can't even get support in the GOP House around auditing the Fed, much less ending their dual mandate to uh, manipulate the economy, gold is king. It's always been dependable. That's where it's at. Birch gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA, not in BlackRock or Vanguard, but in precious metals. Do what I did and text Daniel to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold, no obligation. They explain how in the coming weeks when you do your taxes, um, I am going to owe money this year and typically I dumped it into Vanguard. That's that's where I had most of my money. Not anymore. It's going into something of value, of actual value. Um, protect yourself with gold today by texting Daniel to nine eight nine eight nine eight. this is why they, they make it they really make it very seamless, especially if you're not used to this, you've never invested in gold. That's why they have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Thousands of happy customers with countless five-star reviews. So again, text Daniel to 989898 to stop flushing your money into the stock market casino. So I just want, before we bring on Dr. McCullough, I want to play this famous clip from Fauci. I played it before, but it's important you have this in your back pocket. 1999, a congressional hearing And he's explaining why it's not so simple to rip out an HIV vaccine. Take a listen.
1: Many scientists are beginning to believe that a vaccine against AIDS may be impossible to make and too dangerous to test. If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine, then you say, "Okay, that's good. Now let's give it to. 500 people and then a year goes by and
0: everything's fine say well now let's give it to thousands of people and then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose and then what have you done now i want i want you to get goosebumps i want the hair to stand up straight on your back think about that he says you could have something 10 12 years that appears to be fine and then all hell breaks loose Imagine something that all hell broke loose from day one, affected every organ system, every corner of the body, every rare and common, you know, chronic illness, autoimmune, diabetes, heart, cancer, stroke, neurological, and then the rare stuff. I mean, there's nothing that it doesn't potentially cause. And that's the opening bid. What does that portend for us? So, folks, I'm doing this not to panic you in a mirrored version of what the system did last time and due to the vaccine, what they did with the virus, but it's to to demonstrate this very, very simple point. As I noted, you look at all these Republicans, and this is what I do all day. I'm dealing with the legislatures. I'm dealing with House members. And they view this as an after-action report. It's like a dead ball. The game's over. Okay, we did some stupid things. Some things went, went wrong. Maybe we could learn from them. But there is no sense of urgency that, no, this is still going on. A lot of the tyranny is still going on. And permanently, we haven't denuded it from our political system, our medical culture. Um, but then, then the shots the fact that A, they have more mRNAs in the pipeline just around the corner. RSV was just given expedited review by the FDA. And then the fact that these shots, it, even if not a single person gets another one, but we need full court press on how to diagnose the extent of the problems and then to just gl- glum onto some sort of treatment regimen. And put that research in there. I, I love it how you know I'm pushing some of this in state legislatures. And these same SOBs that had no problem spending a billion dollars in a tiny rural state promoting and, and distributing these shots, they don't want to spend any money on cleaning up the mess, investiga- investigatory uh, treatment. Uh, you know, We have a bill in North Dakota that anything that the State Department of Health promotes – they have to be on on the hook for liability. If Pfizer's not, well, then anyone pushing it should be on the hook for at least treating people. This is unacceptable. So who better to bring in than the greatest of all time, one of the men who started this from day one, who gave people like me the confidence to engage on it, the famed epidemiologist, cardiologist, internist, Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, He's now the chief scientific officer of the wellness company, among many other things he's doing. Uh, Make sure you follow him on Twitter at McCulloughMD and also his amazing Substack. It will come in your email box every day. Um, Courageous Discourse on Substack. Lots of good information. We're only going to be able to scrape the surface with the time we have today and also pick up his book, The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex. Dr. McCullough, it's been way too long. Welcome back to Blaze Media.
1: Well, thanks for having me, and thanks so much for your courageous reporting over the course of the crisis. You're doing great work.
0: Well, so my my problem now is we have a billion light years worth of material beyond the threshold that's normally required to pull something from the market, much less stop the promotion and pressure and mandates. Yet, I feel like, Nothing seems to work. I mean, the public's getting it, I think, more than the politicians do. How do we take this to the next level? If you could just give us a little bit of an overview before we get into some of the latest science and data. Just agenda-wise, in your sphere of work, what do you think is the most important thing we can do now, other than maybe you know continuing to pass around this information?
1: Well, most important regulatory step is to withdraw all the vaccines from the market, each and every one of them, I made the call on the u s Senate floor december seventh two thousand twenty two that that should happen. Uh, I was the first to question vaccine safety back in March of two thousand and twenty one in the in the Texas Senate and raise the issues. Uh, we have only about fifteen percent of people taking any boosters right now, so if they were removed off the market, it wouldn 't you know, influence much in terms of utilization but these strong calls need to come through. Everybody at the state level uh, can appeal through the Health and Human Services to have statewide recall of products. Uh, this is very important. The states can do that. Uh, we need constructive steps to uh, remove illegal advertising for the vaccines. Uh, remember with cigarettes, we could just pull cigarettes off the market, but they certainly could influence uh, and regulate uh, tobacco advertising. We have illegal advertising of the vaccines right now on TV. There's still being promoted as safe and effective without giving disclaimers about fatal complications like heart yep. damage, cardiac arrest, blood clots, neurologic damage.
0: It, it's funny. I, I pointed out a couple weeks ago. If you take that February 28th Pfizer document that lists something like 1,400 uh, maladies that they knew about from you know pretty much out of the gate, it would take reading at a quick pace of 200 words per minute. It would take a 10 minute disclaimer in the commercial um, but but yet these guys are exempt from it so here's what I wanted to go through you're putting out a lot of material and I wanted to talk about some of the latest long-term, concerns and safety signals you know for a while we thought all right it probably flushes out of your system if you didn't you know hear from hear from it see from it those first few weeks but now we're almost seeing an acceleration of died suddenly and i'm you know even in my own life i'm seeing with with a lot of stories in my community people that clearly didn't get the shot recently um but they're just dying suddenly and you know even the you know, very legitimate estimates. I think, you know, I put out a seven point five million estimate of global vaccine deaths, taking the Michigan State number of two hundred seventy eight thousand and and looking at the doses that were administered in the US at the time, if you extrapolate that, it would be like seven point five million globally, about thirty million globally serious injuries. And that's that's like unconscionable. I mean I, I can't we can't even wrap our arms around that. But again, not to panic people, but isn't that perhaps just the tip of the iceberg? It could be. That's a Holocaust-like number,
1: uh, to tell you the truth. Uh, you know, that's a number uh, of deaths in some of the greatest tragedies that's happened in the in the world. And uh, what we know is that every estimate of death so far has been underreported. And one of the reasons why is we go back to the McLachlan analysis early on in Bears, the only analysis where the Bears vignettes were codified and read by two separate doctors, and they agreed on causality. There, McLaughlin found the people dying with the vaccine were our seniors, people in nursing homes, the elderly, those at the end of their lives. And so I think these deaths are relatively silent. Mm. People take the vaccine, and then someone in independent living or assisted living passes away, and they think, well, that's the end of their life. So I think if the McLaughlin analysis is correct, that the deaths could be way larger. What we're hearing about is young athletes dying of cardiac arrest. And what we know is the FDA says the vaccines cause myocarditis. They cause heart damage. It forms a small scar in the heart. The scar can be the nidus in the correct setting, typically a surge of adrenaline or during sleep. Those are the two times where the heart can go into a fatal heart rhythm. What we know is that if someone has myocarditis and they have a scar in the heart, we cannot let them play sports. That's in our guidelines. Before covid Cardiologists were told, don't let a young person with myocarditis play sports. So we have a a situation where it should be apparent. The FDA says the vaccines take myocarditis. Young people are taking the vaccine. They are getting myocarditis. Half, uh, it's uh, perceived by symptoms. Many, it's not. Uh, It's asymptomatic or the symptoms aren't recognized. And then they go play sports and then there's a cardiac arrest. So we have a worldwide epidemic of cardiac arrest. I've published with Polycretis in the European Journal, we're submitting some corrected data now, apples to apples comparison, before the vaccines, age under 35, European athletes, pro and semi-pro, active, rate of cardiac arrest per year, before COVID, 29 cases per year. After COVID, annualized, that number now is 283. There's been a tenfold increase in athlete sudden cardiac deaths. We're seeing it in the United States, I did a TV show yesterday with Michelle Tafoya and John Stockton, former Utah uh, jazz uh, guard, point guard, the superstar. And Stockton is recording. He believes we're up to 300 U.S. athletes that have died this way.
0: Wow. I mean, and and, and that's – it's very jarring. I mean, we had a teacher in our community that just dropped at 27. And you're seeing this all over the place. But it's interesting you mentioned the seniors because I resent – And I understand some people have a comfort level. They come to this later than some of us do. But I resent at this point those that were pushing it, and then now they're slow. Okay, well, seniors should still get it. But wait a minute. I mean, we had that Norwegian Medicines Agency paper very early on that said 10 out of the first 100 all-cause mortality they saw in a nursing home they thought was likely from the shot, and only about half could they rule out. And you know, to me, it's jarring when it's younger; it's more noticeable. But how many of these seniors that were just loading up, um, and they're already weaker, already more prone to these problems? Um, how many of them are likely dying from this? And and Dr. McCall, does it present perhaps differently in the symptomology for a senior the way they go into cardiac arrest?
1: Well, you know, some of the seniors actually die. What we call a reactogenic death, and that's what the McClellan report indicated, meaning that the spike protein—it's uh, generated in the body within an hour of taking the lipid nanoparticles, uh, messenger RNA. The spike protein circulates. It's a circulating toxin. It drops blood pressure, causes tachycardia. In fact, patients succumb of hypotension. And fever and difficulty breathing. So, in the McLaughlin analysis, the typical vignette would be a nursing home patient takes the vaccine at 10 o'clock in the morning. By uh, 10 in the evening, they have fever, their blood pressure has dropped, and they're having difficulty breathing. And then the next day, they're found dead in bed. That was the classic vignette. It's called a reactogenic death. It simply cannot tolerate the circulating spike protein. And recently, now, you know, the two vulnerable spectrums are the seniors and the infants. There's two vignettes in verse. One is a six-month-old on the same administration received MMR, Tdap, pneumococcal vaccine, influenza vaccine, and the COVID vaccine. And that six-month-old was dead in a few days. Basically, die, death by vaccination.
0: Wow. I mean, this is this is all just insane. And then, you know, you talk about the, the the long-term deaths. And a lot of that is that ticking time bomb with the subclinical myocarditis, which of course, you know, Pfizer could still continue marketing the shot without producing any studies on that. But my concern is putting aside subclinical myocarditis that occurs immediately but is undetected. Why are we not concerned, now that we know there's no shutoff or modulator of the mRNA, that potentially it could be coding your body to produce the spike in an unlimited number of locations for an unlimited period of time in unlimited quantities. Who's to say there aren't people that, you know, they got the shot and initially maybe there wasn't a problem, but at some later point, couldn't their body be coded to produce a spike that does strike lightning in a bottle and and harm the body?
1: It could, or it could just be gradual. Uh, accumulation causing forms of chronic diseases. So the broad categories are cardiovascular and uh, there are data suggesting that chronic cardiovascular disease, cholesterol blockages in the heart are accelerated by the chronic inflammation of the vaccines. That means greater rates of heart attacks, heart bypass surgery, need for stents and cardiovascular death by that mechanism. Blood clots. There's nothing to suggest that the blood clotting risk is going down. And recently, uh, Wu and colleagues from the FDA, Daniel, from the FDA, they publish in the peer-reviewed literature. So it's interesting, people in the FDA are speaking to us. They publish in their peer-reviewed literature thousands of blood clots, thousands of cases of blood clots that they're aware of with the Janssen vaccine. And in that report, it's astonishing, they're reporting blood clots going from the ankle to the hip, from the ankle to the hip. In living human beings, 11% of those cases were fatal. So the blood clotting risk Maybe um, uh, maybe time independent. So I'm seeing in my practice, for instance, I've had uh, two ladies in their 60s and 70s develop blood clots 18 months after the shot. Now, the wild card here is mm. they had intervening COVID. So remember, COVID itself exposes the body to the spike protein. Yeah. The vaccines don't work. So someone gets loaded with spike protein, shot one, shot two. Maybe gets a third load with shot number three, then gets the virus itself and gets the fourth load. And so with this progressive loading of spike protein, uh what I am seeing in practice and what the literature is reporting is that this tail of risk for blood clots may go on for a long time.
0: It's like lighting a match in a room full of gas. You 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 prime the body for it and then you know, like you're saying, cumulative effect. And now we see the more you inject, the more you infect. So it's a vicious cycle. You get exposed to more of it um, with these tolerating antibodies and maybe perhaps other mechanisms that make you more prone to get it. And it's just one big accumulation. Then they panic more, get more doses. And I mean, what what a mess. But, you know, a lot of people know about the heart stuff. That's gotten out to a certain degree. But my concern is over and beyond the fear of instant death We have this long-term looming mortality bubble. If you take a population, you increase your risk for cancer, diabetes, autoimmune, all these things. I mean, that takes years off people's lives, and a certain percentage of people die from that. What are some of the concerning things you're seeing in the literature, perhaps clinical practice, on long-term maladies developing from, from the shots?
1: Well, there's long-term conditions that have come from acute events. I think this is important to recognize. So the cardiac arrest victims who are resuscitated, but they've suffered anoxic encephalopathy, you know, they can be neurologically devastated the rest of their lives. Uh, there are a few patients who develop severe vaccine-induced myocarditis where they have permanent heart failure. Sometimes it's fatal, like the case of Northwestern College student Simone, who in uh, 2021 takes Moderna and goes into fulminant heart failure, gets a heart transplant, and then dies after the transplant. I have another patient in my knowledge circles who had uh, the same thing. He had a transplant and he survived. but So the vaccine took a normal heart, ruined the normal heart. He needs a transplant, and now he's on a shortened survival because he's on immunosuppressives and all the post-transplant procedures. So we have that to worry about. There's acute... Neurologic events, stroke, and intracranial hemorrhage that leaves people permanently neurologically devastated, and they're at a higher risk for mortality over time. Von Dagberhild from uh, uh, three, reported from three Nordic countries, 7,750 neurologically devastating uh, 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 events within 28 days of taking the vaccine. These are stunning results. And then and finally, there are conditions that are emerging today on my Substack. I report about type one diabetes. This is very worrisome. The Koreans did a very assiduous and meticulous report of a a person in their 50s. They take the vaccine, and then there is a rapid uh, autoimmune attack against the pancreas, the islet cells. The patient becomes quickly insulin deficient and then becomes a type one diabetic. Multiple cases of diabetic ketoacidosis, which is a complication of type one diabetes and even if a complication is very rare so many people have taken the vaccine in the world that even something way 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 less than 1% is going to produce a giant number of people yes. with new chronic disease
0: this is the big thing you're you're dealing with 5.5 billion people that have gotten I think 13.24 billion doses worth. So even a small number is a problem. But again, it's like, it almost seems like this is breaking every tackle. Every crazy thing that the craziest person asserted about this becomes true times 10. And it gets worse and worse and worse. And it gets me back to that Fauci quote, how you could even have something that's good initially, appears good, And then all hell breaks loose. So here all hell broke loose right away. So you got the diabetes, got the autoimmune, so many different things. You recently wrote about neuropsychiatric symptoms after COVID-19 shots. I mean, I'm hearing from a a lot of people with random pains, shooting pains in toes and fingers, weird places. Does that have something to do with it?
1: It can, actually. That's called dysesthesia. And that was reported. There's now about a dozen Reports And they're accumulating the literature of people who take the vaccine and they develop neuropsychiatric symptoms. I mean, psychotic symptoms, hallucination, uh, bizarre behaviors. One of the patients in the report by Borovina, that I summarized in my substack, the person takes a knife and stabs themselves in the abdomen and, uh, you know, completely crazy and then needs an emergency surgery. These people need psych hospitalizations, multiple drugs, and it takes a long time to come out of it. Uh, worrisome, Stephanie Senoff, myself, Greg Nye, have published on what's called prion like diseases. The spike protein has a configuration uh, that is amenable to folding. And once a fol- t- protein gets into the brain and begins to abnormally fold, it cannot undergo proteolytic uh, removal. And this forms a plaque in the brain similar to that of Alzheimer's or of Jakob uh, Krutschkel disease. Mm. So we're, we're concerned, in fact, there is a report by Mortz from Germany of a patient with Parkinson's. He takes shot number one, and he immediately uh, neurologically changes. He doesn't recognize his family anymore. He takes shot number two. He's worsened. His Parkinson's worsens. He's in a wheelchair. Five months later, he takes shot three. He just collapses and dies. And this poor man, 76 years old, in a, in a nursing home in Germany, undergoes an autopsy, And the brain is chocked full of spike protein and inflammation. He also had concomitant inflammation in the heart. So prion-like disease and worsened neurodegenerative diseases, dementia, um, uh, Alzheimer's disease, uh, Parkinson's disease, all of this is great concern. And the reports keep coming in.
0: So to me, this is a national emergency in two two ways. Number one, you gotta get ahead of diagnostic and treatment of these ticking time bombs, all these things, and in order to do that, you have to acknowledge the problem. And then B is the next thing's down the pipeline. I mean, this would be shocking enough if they ran away and just kind of tried to cover this up, but they have no shame. I mean, the RSV mRNA is around the corner, and we know the LMPs are pro-inflammatory. We know that there's no shutoff or modulator with the the mRNA. I'm not seeing an effort to stop this. How do we get ahead of the RSV shot, which was the original um, ADE-inducing shot, even on the traditional platform, much less with mRNA?
1: mRNA is off to a terrible start in medicine. You know, it's been around for decades, uh, not really been able to be positioned as uh, a delivery mechanism for therapeutic proteins. And this idea of taking it now and having the body produce foreign proteins as a mechanism of immunization is a disaster. The human body was not designed to produce foreign proteins. Now we hear about Moderna uh, mRNA-1345. This is the genetic code for a respiratory syncytial virus pathogen this is absolutely a terrible idea. RSV largely is an illness of children who are under one years old. It's a benign illness. It's easily treated with uh, nebulizers. Rarely does anyone need to be hospitalized if it affects uh, older adults. Again, it's it's treated easily with nebulizations. We even have some advanced therapies we can use. So such a treatable disease doesn't need a vaccine. Vaccines in RSV only about... Uh, 50 or 60% protective anyway. So there is not going to be a big uh, protection advance. And what I'm worried about here is RSV causes fusion and syncytia of cells. It begins to distort the cellular architecture. And I can't imagine what this is going to do in the body. It was bad enough to have the body produce spike protein, but now to change cellular architecture, that's how, how RSV influences the respiratory tract. You'd hate to have that going on inside your body.
0: So wait a minute, wait, wait, you're a little bit ahead of me there. Um, I want to just reiterate that point because I was wondering what the payload would be on this, and I noticed that in Davos, uh, Bancel, the CEO of Moderna, he made a point of saying, "No, no, 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 it's not, it's not a spike protein, right?" Be- so it's funny now. In order to play up the RSV shot, he's kind of conceding that the spike protein was a problem. So he wants to say, oh no, no, don't worry, it's not a non spike protein, so it's no problem." So can you just reiterate why this might be at least as bad?
1: Well, you know, respiratory syncytial virus causes inflammation in the respiratory tract. It, it basically doesn't invade the body like COVID. It's, it's purely a respiratory disease and the children get in trouble because there's uh, wheezing and there's um, respiratory distress as the cells in the respiratory epithelial tract become injured. And they undergo a process of, uh, of, of cellular fusion. The cells in a sense kind of get digested or broken down by the virus and, uh, the um, uh, the proteins called fusogenic proteins of the RSV uh, virus itself, uh, you know, to take on their damage. But this is a, an incredibly terrible idea for this to be injected in the in the human uh, uh, body. the The RNA encodes for what's called pre-fusion F glycoprotein, and uh, you know this. If the antibodies don't neutralize it, this is going to cause, I think, tremendous destruction in the human body. One of the things we've learned, by the way, with messenger RNA is that when it causes a protein to be expressed, the antibodies that go against it sometimes don't neutralize the protein. So this Mm -hmm. is what was found out in the paper by Yonkers and colleagues in circulation, where they had 16 children in Massachusetts General Hospital who are having COVID vaccine myocarditis. And what they did is they they found that they had circulatory spike protein damaging the heart and their antibodies weren't binding the spike protein. Whereas the kids who took the vaccine and had no myocarditis, they were producing spike protein, but the antibodies were appropriately neutralizing it. So the Yonkers paper was a big insight that maybe not all people develop neutralizing antibodies and in some people, the spike protein runs free and damages the body. It'd be my same concern with RSV that this pre-fusion glycoprotein would run free in the body and cause damage.
0: So that leads me to the final frontier, and, 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 and that's this. A lot of people, you know, it's called, called a limited hangout where you limit what you're willing to concede as the problem, but then create a barrier that 100% sure that there's nothing worse than that. And initially, I was kind of like that. In my mind, it's very hard to think that you've been lied to for 100 years about vaccines. And that's why I started um, bringing people like you and, and Dr. Cole, Dr. UrsO that I felt were more mainstream. I, I uh, you know always learned that people in RFK Jr.'s crowd and, and Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, they're crazy. And then one time I heard Dr. Tenpenny, I'm like, wow, she actually sounds very smart. And the more I study immunology as a layman, but we go through all this stuff, the more I, I look into this, and I say, wait a minute. Yes, mRNAs by protein, LMPs are a problem. Yes, this is really bad, causes you know, thousands of maladies. But just from the immunological standpoint, immune suppression, autoimmune, it doesn't take a genius to realize that if you take every human being, carte blanche, 30, 40, 50 shots is growing every year. They have more in the pipeline. Every baby born, almost like a Jewish circumcision. You're like, you know, eight days old. It's a religious thing. That's what we do. So this is what you do. Um, And everyone's going to perfectly replicate the exact type of antibody, the exact amount, the exact class. Like, no, perhaps we need to take a look at what we're doing. I know you've written some substacks on this. Just in general, and I know this is really a show on, on it onto itself. What do we do? Don't we need some sort of legitimate diverse commission to start from scratch and look at each one? What's the rationale? What's the safety? What's the efficacy? Like, I just did a little inquiry and I was shocked to see how much literature there is on the flu shot of it tamping down your T cells. And now it makes sense to me.
1: It's true. We need a critical reappraisal of all the vaccines. And, uh, you know, I am not an anti-vaxxer. I personally have taken all the vaccines according to the schedules. I've went to India. I've taken more vaccines. My kids have taken all the vaccines all up until COVID. Now, I didn't take the COVID vaccine. But boy, I I cannot be uh, labeled as an anti-vaxxer. I'm not. I've you know, I have ascribed to vaccines. But having looked at this now, we need to carefully reevaluate The vaccines, and I think going forward, it can't be all vaccines and all people is appropriate, nor safe. And this idea of giving a six-month-old the pneumococcal vaccine, and the influenza vaccine—they have negligible risks of those. Those are vaccines for senior citizens. This poor baby lost uh, lost its life over this, Um, and this has got to stop. None of the vaccines are as compelling as. I think people think recently the meningococcal vaccine, one that I strongly support, I had my kids take it before they went to college, it was determined in a recent paper in JAMA to only be about 75% perspective against uh, invasive disease. Pneumococcal vaccine, statistically insignificant from zero, same thing with the influenza vaccine. The big outbreaks of mumps and measles have been in the fully vaccinated, so they're not bulletproof. I think rubella is pretty compelling. When you look at it, boy, rubella is compelling. But it's really only compelling for women women. as they go go into their childbearing years to prevent the congenital rubella syndrome.
0: I I love the fact that you brought up rubella. Why should a man ever get it? See, this is the mentality that – they don't view any potential downside to tampering with the immune system. So you take every human being, and then they, and then every time you get it, like if you want a tetanus shot, oh, here's diphtheria. Like, whoa, you know, it's 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 all good, it's all good. And 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 if you don't support that, you're anti-vax. And that's that's I think what you're jiving at before you even look at the um the safety and efficacy. Isn't there a principle in medicine that you do targeted therapies as needed as appropriate, but when do you ever carte blanche say like, oh, are you anti or pro surgery? You know, so let's take everyone and you could find, no, no. I mean, like like I have something on on one of my ring fingers is kind of like a little bit got messed up. So, but you know, you could be born with muscular skeletal things that aren't really a big deal. Let's find a way to perfect the human body and preemptively take, you know, all 330 million people in this country and give surgery to, But but like, It doesn't work that way, right? (laughs) That's
1: a good way to think about it. Yeah, I think the way forward is is targeting. What we've learned is blanket mass indiscriminate vaccination sounds bad, and it's bad. We should always be targeted. I think no one would have a problem with targeting uh, high-risk seniors who are vulnerable with specific vaccines, college-age kids in dormitories, et cetera, et cetera, women at risk for congenital rubella syndrome. But I think the days of just blasting everybody with everything, the CDC childhood vaccine schedule has to be reexamined. I think it's going to have to change. Uh, We're looking at too much now. The average child is facing 16 different disease category vaccines, 72 shots. When I was a kid, it was five disease category and three shots. It's simply too much. Believe it or not, the same thing is happening in veterinary medicine. Huh. It's happening. It's almost as if the world has lost their minds over vaccines. It,
0: it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's again, everything is good in the right time and place. It's like saying I'm pro surgery, I'm pro oncology, I'm pro radiology. It's just it's ridiculous. It's you know you can't you can't do that. And again, like I think. You know, I have seen a lot of evidence pertussis is they really scare people, and there's a rationale for pregnant women. I get it, but the respiratory viruses really don't seem to lend itself. There's questions about negative efficacy potentially with with all of them, um, and now that we understand ADE, immune imprinting, autoantibodies, I mean, it does. It's not outlandish to look at some of this generational craziness of explosion of, of, of autoantibodies, autoimmune diseases, and allergies, that maybe we ought to take a look at this, and you certainly can't rule it out. Um, I know you got to run. Real quick, what are you doing with The Wellness Company?
1: Wellness Company is an alternative uh, healthcare system that was conceived by Canadian e-commerce juggernaut Foster Colson. It is a, now a nationwide company in the United States, hopefully expanding to Canada, it's a cell phone app, 9.99 a month it gives you access to all the educational materials and media, nutraceuticals and supplements at a discount, and then critically important access to online doctors. And a doctor's visit I think is as low as 60 dollars. They've recently. Uh, opened up a dental division. It's a corporate benefit for a lot of companies. It's a must-have, I think, for people without health care or dental insurance. Mm. Uh, uh, Community pharmacies fill the prescriptions, including the drugs that other uh, big chain pharmacies tried to block, vaccine exemptions. So the wellness company has been really a savior for people now as we emerge in this post-crisis new healthcare reality
0: wow, this is really what we need, headed in the future, um, parallel healthcare system where people could get science care um, and a pro-life uh, you know, outlook. Um, so again, uh, courageous discourse on Substack, McCullough MD on Twitter, Dr. McCullough, thanks so much as always, and please come back soon.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So folks, there you have it. The great Dr. Peter McCullough um, gave up everything to speak the truth he actually just did win a lawsuit uh Baylor uh and uh whatever whatever the rest of that name is a medical institution in Texas uh sued him for speaking out against the shots and accused him of kind of like you know using their name even though he he didn't uh so thankfully the judge dismissed the lawsuit but he he sacrificed a lot and I, and I think the other lesson to learn from him and and boy what a machine he's just a machine we got to have him on more often but the lesson is, here is someone who is intellectually curious. He, he, like you said, he got every shot. He encourages kids who never questioned it. But it's okay to learn new things. And, and this is something I resent no end that I'm watching the Trump camp do. Because he fully, bizarrely embraced the death shots, even after it's incontrovertibly created a, a, a holocaust, So he's trying to go back and say, oh, see, DeSantis in day one in January 2021 helped facilitate an efficient vaccination of seniors. And even then, he mainly said, hey, let's let's prioritize seniors. He did the right thing. And it was to end the lockdowns. Oh, so he supported it, too. So there's no like what? What are you talking about? That's all the difference. God wants you to grow and learn in life. You can't be stuck on stupid. Facts have to matter. Facts have to change policy. And this is what bothers me. It's like you go even to these red states. But 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 we can't harm ourselves in the pandemic in the hospitals. We need wh- wh- what are you talking about? The facts show that the more you inject, the more you infect. So if anything, there should be a ban on so I mean if you believe in that, if anything to protect healthcare settings and this would be rooted in science, you'd ban anyone who got the shots from serving in a hospital, by their way of thinking, by a a factor of 100. The facts have to change. I mean, the policies have to change based on the facts. That's what's just so frustrating about all of this. People don't change, but they need to change. It can't be like Groundhog Day. We come out and do the same things. Open your eyes, open your minds, open your hearts, especially when it all comes together—the macroepidemiological observations, the anecdotes, the VARS, the VSAFE, the 3,000 case studies, the um, you know multiple uh, you know all sorts of randomized controlled trials, different studies—it's got it's got to have an effect on you, and when the mechanisms start to jive, oh, autoantibodies, misfiring of immune system, oh. Well, we have a whole generation of what? Allergies and autism and Alzheimer's and, oh, autoimmune. Everyone has an autoimmune disease. Like, I never heard of celiac. I never heard of any of this stuff um, when I was growing up. You know, and I'm not old. And in my school, we didn't have a peanut allergy issue. And then, you know, suddenly 10 years later, you do. Now, I'm not saying, no one's saying 100% of this is from that and there's multiple pro-inflammatory things going on that we're being exposed to, particularly in the food, but, you know, to, to to just not be curious at all, hey, like, is the data behind these other shots really that great? And as Aaron series showed, it's it's pathetic with a lot of them. They followed them up for a matter of days, not years, to see what happened to these people. Start listening to people. Start listening to people's pain. Stop denying it. You know... I started off my career being, you know, pretty pretty straight shooting, dogmatically absolutist, pro free trade. You know, any trade agreement. You know, I was taught that that's the conservative way of thinking, but you know, people were expressing a lot of pain throughout the '90s and early 2000s on what happened from NAFTA and how maybe in a textbook this could work properly, but in the way the world is and the way the you know China does their business, it's not working for us. It's okay to adjust your way of thinking, but but sincerely and mean it not just as a way of like, you know, posturing, but you actually mean it. And again, like there's a lot of debate about certain talk show hosts and certain people, you know, how much they've changed, whether they changed on vaccines and that. And, And my thing is, is a simple litmus test. If the guy really changed, he would be zealous about it, doing what I'm doing, trying to make policy changes, talking about it early and often but if it's just like once a month like yeah yeah I, they, they we were lied to it's, it's it's okay you know uh you know it's it's, it's there's problems with it okay now i don't want to talk about it well that that's just a realignment of your posturing to make sure you're not fully out of sync with your listeners that's not okay you got to get much stronger on that but we're going to we're going to call it quits for today um a lot more work to do. Go to conaction.network to sign up for your Liberty Strike First team. If you want to get involved, make a difference. There's almost nobody focused on this legislation in red states. We're doing it. You can have an outsized share impact. Um, one one just programming note. Just want to plug our, my colleague, new colleague, Alex Stein, has a show, uh, Primetime99. That's his Twitter feed. Pimp on a blimp is the promo code. If you go to blaze TV.com slash primetime for $20 off blaze TV subscription, you get extra Steve Dace, everything, their whole lineup, but plus Alex Stein. He's really one of the bravest and funniest people I know. Um, He's willing to go anywhere like violent college kids at Penn state. He was almost killed. And like, I mean, he's very brave about it. I just saw him. He was in England producing this video, just man on the street. He literally went up to the palace guards and said, why are you protecting a pedophile Um, with Prince Andrew? I mean, the guys want to go anywhere. So very, very unique talent coming on board in a movement that's largely devoid of talent and new thinking and new ideas. So again, uh, blazetv.com slash primetime pimp on a blimp for $20 off. And if you could help our show, giving us a five-star review Uh, with a comment on iTunes will really help us leapfrog, get the word out, send this show to everyone you know. Um, That's all we try to do is give the right information, right strategies, right ideas, and activism, activism. You know, I can't just unsee the things I've seen and not want to change the world. The policies have to adjust to the facts and the morality. And that's what we're here to do till tomorrow. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.